Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is a Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, as ever, is Josh. Hello there. Hello there. How's it going? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Welcome along, listeners. You join us for our latest instalment in our Theme Park Film Review Series. Month by month, we are making our way through Disney's incredible backlog of movies based on Theme Park attractions... We've done Pirates of the Caribbean. We've done The Haunted Mansion. Yeah. We've done The Country Bears. (laughs) (laughs) And this time, it is the turn of Tomorrowland. Sure is. Uh, The first one, I guess, based not on on an attraction, but an entire area area of the traditional Disneyland park. Yes. Tomorrowland. Yes. Would you believe? One of the first, I guess... And one of the most iconic lands to be found at the various Disney parks all around the world. It's kind of a staple, right? Yeah. And Walt very much integral to the design and the sort of ethos behind Tomorrowland. He was Absolutely. quite a forward-looking guy. He was. Um, Epcot, for example, is uh, was his vision of the future. Yeah. It was meant to be like a village, right? For people yeah. to... A whole sort of town area. For people to actually yeah. live. And now it's, you know... Guardians of the Galaxy ride, Ratatouille ride, I bet he's spinning in his Frozen. grave. Yeah. Speaking of Frozen, I guess he won't be spinning in his grave because he is, in fact, frozen in ice. It's true. Um, yeah. Where is he meant to be being kept? Uh, What's the long-held rumour? Is he Underneath the uh, berm of the railway in Disneyland, California. Right. Yeah. When do you so think it says, like, it's got the Mickey Mouse face, I think, if I remember rightly, in California. Right. On the berm in front, and the train goes over the top. Uh huh. It's like underneath there. That is the rumor. What do you think is like the optimum time to uh, wake him up? If that's true. Uh, optimum time now, <laughs> before the world truly <laughs> goes to hell if it hasn't already. Um, the funny thing about Tomorrowland, I guess, is that it's obviously been built as uh, Walt's vision for the future, but it's now of course a man's vision of the future from 1950 or whatever yes so it's kind of hilariously dated to walk around it now and it's quite strange but i guess it's still kind of well you've seen them try to move away a bit from that yes ethos like not so much in the architecture i guess that's kind of stayed the same but just the kinds of rides that you find in tomorrowland these days so just going by the magic kingdom you've got for example the buzz Lightyear. Yes. A space Ranger spin. You've got Tron coming. Yeah, you'll have Tron soon. So. Still got them petrol-powered cars, though. That's true. The most unfuturistic thing of the whole th- of the whole land, I guess. You've also still got the People Mover, of course, the Transit course. Authority yeah. that run that. It's probably my favourite ride in Tomorrowland. All they really have to do with Autopia is change them cars to be... Electric. Electric. Yeah. Done. It's not like they're doing long-distance journeys. No. So it should be perfectly feasible yeah. to change them to electric. But yeah, Tomorrowland was, I guess, the sort of uh, physical like manifestation of Walt's views on the world, which were, you know, very futurist, I suppose. And as such, it has become a key part of all the Disneyland parks. But it differs a little bit in Paris, I guess, because it's a lot more Jules Verne. Yeah, Discoveryland. Than it is Walt Disney. Technically not Tomorrowland. No, exactly. It's called Discoveryland. You're right, and now has a big damn Star Wars ride as yeah. it's like centerpiece. Not yes. that you'd know from the outside, because no. as we spoke about in our 
Disneyland Paris trip report, it does still just look like a Jules Verne ass building. It just Jules now Verne has, ass Space Mountain. Yeah, and just now has Star Wars inside instead. So just a, a little bit more history for you. Tomorrowland debuted in California, nineteen fifty seven, then came to Florida in nineteen seventy one, uh, then came to Tokyo, Paris and Hong Kong. So all those parks as well. I don't know if it's at Shanghai. Um Yeah, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Not really sure. But anyway, it's uh, a beloved part of all the Disneyland parks. I'm sure it's something that will always be there. Uh, yeah. Just the idea of ripping out Walt's vision of the future seems wrong to me. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So the film then. The film. The film. Uh, originally announced by Walt Disney Pictures in June 2011 under the working title 1952. That's uh, when the World's Fair was. Right. Okay. And it was later renamed to Tomorrowland after the land at the parks, yes. would you believe? And the writers took a lot of inspiration from the sort of, I guess, the hopes and dreams of everyday Americans when, you know, during the height of the space age when NASA were sending people up to the moon and, and, and space travel was kind of a, you know, a real cultural moment, I guess, in during that time. Um, but also, as we've already mentioned, Walt's own vision for what the future might look like. So those two things kind of merged and formed a lot of the basis for the look, I guess, of Tomorrowland in the movie. There's also some, definitely some Epcot vibes coming off of the yeah, design of, yeah, 100%. of the Tomorrowland that you see in the film, which I guess we could just sort of go through it. Opens, I think it starts quite strong, actually. Yes. As someone who... Really loves Tomorrowland and nerds out about theme parks. Um, I know it's hard to believe we've only done 25-odd theme park podcasts, but I like theme parks, Josh. What? what? I get the impression you do as well. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, just a bit. But, I mean, you'd seen Tomorrowland before and you had told me that yeah. you you thought it opened strong. Yes. Um, I guess you think it does a pretty good job of like setting the scene in Tomorrowland itself. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's, there's history there as well. So it set, starts at the World's Fair and... That's where Walt first built rides for. Right. To sort of show them off. Uh, was that meant to be to sort of get investors for the park? No, it was like he was asked to do that. Oh, I see. That was He was paid. So the It's a Small World, the Lincoln animatronic was for the World's Fair. Okay. Uh, there was another one which was like Ford and he was in like a... It was the TTA, Transport Authority. Yeah. Uh, that was originally uh, like cars, right. Ford Mustangs, I believe, or something like that. Okay. Uh, and they were going through the track, showing off Fords of the future and things like that. And he he'd been asked to design them all, and he built them all down in California, took them up, uh, and then I believe the Lincoln and It's a Small World were then the ones that were then built in the theme park. They were like pulled from World's Fair and rebuilt in the theme park. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. And you of course get. You get to see It's a Small World at the World's Fair in the film. You do. But, it, I mean, it opens... There's like a cold opening where George Clooney is talking to a camera... Yes. ...about stuff that you don't really understand at the time. Makes no sense. And there's like a countdown clock and yeah. it's all a little bit foreboding, I suppose. But then it cuts back to the World's Fair and he's a kid. Yeah. So you've got kid George Clooney and he's trying to... He's built a jetpack... Yes. ...that he's trying to sell. Well, I guess for, before that, it opens... The the uh, World's Fair scene opens with uh, a great big beautiful tomorrow playing over the top. Yes, which is from the Carousel of Progress, right? Which I think might also have been a World's Fair. I was ride. into that. 
that was a catchy way to start. Yeah. It certainly drew me in, so I was well on board pretty much instantly. Fully, like, suits the theming and everything. Yeah, definitely. I th- I think visually this film is... You can't knock it no. visually. I think they absolutely nail the Tomorrowland aesthetic, and it's uh, it, it's it's really good looking. I, I really... I really think from a visual perspective it's it's strong throughout actually um certainly more so than the country bears <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh so yeah young george clooney yeah his name's frank in yes. the film uh, he's trying to sell a, a jetpack that he's made and the judge that he's trying to impress with his jetpack is Hugh Laurie house and Hugh Laurie's like dude it's great that you've built a jetpack but it doesn't actually work you can't fly so yeah. You know, feel free to go and try and fix it and bring it back one day. But for now, you're out. Yeah, off you go. See you later. But uh, a young girl called Athena yeah, uh, sort of catches wind of yeah. this little exchange. Yeah. A and, Wendy-looking and character. Very much so. Definitely getting Wendy Peter Pan vibes off of Athena. And she seems kind of into the jetpack and into Frank. She does. So she gives him a, a Tomorrowland pin. Yeah, it's a great um, looking pin. She doesn't even he doesn't even have a pin to trade. No. So she just gives him this pin. It's not like he has a cool rare jungle cruise pin or something nope. to trade. Yeah. She she just gives him a, a Tomorrowland pin and uh he then follows her onto It's a Small World. Yeah. And because he's got a pin on uh, this like laser beam identifies the pin and opens a secret passageway within It's a Small World, uh, which opens up a drop, kind yes. of like Pirates of the Caribbean, and down he goes while he's in the It's a Small World boat, and he ends up in this kind of, well, he ends up in Tomorrowland, I guess, right? Yeah. Is that where he kind of ends up? That's yeah. the implication, and there's futuristic skylines and robots and all sorts of business flying around. Uh, one such robot fixes his jetpack, and it allows him to fly around and... I guess become part of Tomorrowland. Yeah, um, he he's one of the uh, founding members of that era, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess that the idea of Tomorrowland is it's a place where the only people who are meant to be allowed in are sort of like optimists, people who have hope for the future and want to improve mankind by you know coming up with cool inventions yeah. and technologies. It's, it's like the smartest inventors, I guess, is the yeah the theory. One theory, well, I guess one theory. Quite I a stringent with. immigration policy, Josh. It wow. has to be said. Yeah, at the Don't time, get all political. At here. the time, yes. But, um, but it seems like maybe Walt Disney is in on it. If uh, it's a small world, is the entrance? You reckon Walt Disney is in on this? Secret I think utopia? so. Yeah. Oh, That's how he know, knew how to freeze himself. Maybe. Maybe he's not frozen. Maybe he's in Tomorrowland, he's and in- now he's not aging. Because that's that's another thing in Tomorrowland. There's clearly some aging that happens. Yeah, it seems like you age to an adult. Yeah, and then, and then, and then stop. Yeah. Because Hugh Laurie doesn't age no. from when you see him at the start of the fair to when you uh, see him later on in Tomorrowland. But George Clooney's character, we see at various points in the film, we see him getting a little bit older in Tomorrowland. And then by the time he leaves Tomorrowland and goes back to the real world, he does age up into George Clooney. Yes. But the kid version of George Clooney does appear to at least perhaps reach teenage years by the looks of... Just from what he looked like from Seems behind like as he was getting taken out. But get, yeah, so that's shot in the of, back. Yeah, indeed. That's So that's the, I guess, uh, ethos of Tomorrowland. It's this place for the best and brightest yeah. to come hang out. Come um, uh, figure out the tom- world of tomorrow. Indeed. Indeed. But it would seem as though, well, George Clooney's character eventually leaves. Yes. And um, we then meet uh, a young girl, Casey, I think her name was, played yep. by Britt Robertson. Yes. Uh, so she is. she comes into 
possession of a Tomorrowland pin. And um, yeah, she's kind of like pretty tech savvy. She's into space. She's a, she is an optimist. Her dad is yeah. like a NASA engineer. She breaks into Cape Canaveral to stop them tearing down the launch pads. So that her dad doesn't lose his job. No, I think Isn't she's that? doing that to stop. To like try and stop them from shutting down the space program. Oh right, he Maybe. just misreads that as her trying to s- save his job. Oh okay. I mean, I guess it could be both. Like, if they right, shut down yeah. the launch pad, he could lose his job as a consequence. But he will lose his job as a consequence. But yeah. sure. But anyway, she might have had more than one motivation to go in to try and shut down that launch pad. And then when she's getting booked by the police, she touches the pin, yes. which she has re- received unknowingly at the time from Athena. Yeah. Who is like basically goes into the real world to recruit people to join yeah. Tomorrowland? That's kind of she's a still a, well. still a small girl, still a small girl, mysteriously enough. Yeah, yes. And uh, Britt Robinson notices that she has the pin while she's in the police station. Touches it, ends up in a field of wheat. Yeah, Theresa uh, May's a Theresa May cameo, which I didn't see coming, but made me chuckle. And uh, then I guess that leads her on a sort of journey of discovery really like what's going on why why does this pin take me to this strange mysterious land because she can see Tomorrowland off in the distance in this yeah. field of wheat yeah but she can't reach it because every time she tries to step forward she bangs her head into walls and stuff because it turns out that although it's kind of like being in VR is the best way to look at yeah. it you touch the pin and you're in like VR yeah but you, you the physical space is actually still the police station so she thinks she's walking towards Tomorrowland in this field of wheat and he's banging her head on walls and ceilings and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's actually quite funny. It's pretty well done. Yeah. Uh, and eventually Athena finds her. Um, her dad is obviously not disbelieving of her claims yes. about this pin badge. Um, uh, it leads her to that second hand shop. Yeah. Um, which sells Tomorrowland she, pins. She ends up in a lake at one point. She does because she goes walking around in the in the Tomorrowland yeah. world and yeah ends up in a lagoon. Hash doesn't get eaten. I don't know. Yes, because she, she's in Florida, of course. Yeah. So she she really should have been getting chomped yeah. by some gators. And it's nighttime, and gators you know hunt at night. So indeed. So she she got lucky there. To be fair, yeah. it would have been quite a dark twist if she had just got eaten. But yeah, she tracks down these these pin badges to like a, a secondhand shop in town, run by these kind of creepy dudes. Lots of good Easter eggs in that shop. A lot. Um, this is a Brad Bird film. And uh, I was particularly hyped by the Iron Giant action figure in this shop. But yeah. there was also, you think you spotted some, uh, was it Darkwing Duck stuff or something? Uh, Bartman was there. Oh, Bartman and the Daffy Duck, um, the sci-fi Daffy Duck. Uh, Duck Dodgers. Duck Dodgers, that's yeah. it. There was definitely a ton uh, of Star yeah. Wars stuff The Martian from Looney Tunes was in there as well. That's right, yeah. Um, Star Wars. You thought you saw a Cyberman from Doctor Who? Yeah, it did look like a Cyberman. Mm. Um, there was the... Robot from uh, the Daily F stood still. Yeah, she uh, Athena batters one of the other people over the head with the head <laughs> from the robot from yeah. the Daily F stood still. So the guys that run the shop turn out to be like androids or well audio animatronics yes. to use theme park parlance, which is what they use in the film. Yeah, they don't call them robots. So that's quite cool. More um, uh, suggestions that Walt was involved. Yeah, so Walt was in Walt's dirty hands are all over this plot. His grubby mitts. <laughs> Um, Athena saves Casey yeah. from the shop basically takes her off and do you know uh, she, she uh, out, ends up having a child Casey uh, uh, but it's a train <laughs> <laughs> of course um, she is led eventually to the home of George Clooney yes 
who is now left Tomorrowland. He's a grizzled old recluse. Yeah. He set up his house with loads of sci-fi Home Alone traps. Yeah. He's like a high-tech uh, Mr. Fredrickson when the builders come around to take his <laughs> home away. Yes, that's a very good that's a very good comparison actually. One that um I hadn't thought of. But yes, that's actually right on the money. And I guess uh, Casey kind of wants him to take her to, to Tomorrowland, kind of teach her the rope, show what it's all about. Yeah. Because um, he's, you know, got a brilliant mind. He was allowed into Tomorrowland because of his jetpack. But then, but yeah, he's reluctant to yeah, go he's back. Like, you can't go back. It doesn't exist how you think it does. Yeah, indeed. And it's because it's become like something more resembling a dystopia under the brutal regime of Hugh Laurie. Yes. <laughs> who has basically turned it into an elitist society. He doesn't want anyone else getting in. It's like um, uh, Blackadder the second. Yes, exactly like that. Then I feel like from that point onwards, from when uh, Casey uh, persuades Frank to perhaps try and help her back into Tomorrowland, when he basically says, well, all right, fine, I'll show you Because they get attacked by more audio but, animatronics. Yeah, animatronics. I guess kind of convinces him to act and see what's going on. Yeah. And ca- then, uh, the, then, Athena then, turns back up again. But it kind of becomes a weird, like, kind of a road trip movie without yeah, much It reminded road. me of Looney Tunes back in action. Okay. Because it has a, it has a similar vibe of going to well, because they both go to Paris, they go both go to the Eiffel Tower. Mm. Uh, yeah, they end up in Paris. They teleport to Paris. Teleport to Paris. Yeah. Um, and, and this is thing. all tr- just trying to find a way back to Tomorrowland. Yes. And it's because the pin badge runs out of juice. Yes. So they can't just use that because it's just an advert. So they need to find like permanent travel. Yeah. And it turns out the key to getting back to Tomorrowland. The the pin is just t- a tourist visa. Right. Okay. Uh, they need a green card. They need a green card, and the green card comes in the form of a rocket ship built into the Eiffel Tower. Yes, <laughs> by the uh, by the the, 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 inventor, the inventor Avengers. The inventor Avengers, who are uh, what uh, George Clooney explains uh, what Edison, Verne, Tesla, Tesla, and one other guy. I uh, can't remember who's the other. Was guy? it Monsieur Eiffel? Maybe. Yeah, uh, that might have been him. That would make sense. Yeah, because he did the Statue of Liberty as well, right? So. Yeah. So they kind of uh, in cahoots. Um, I guess we're like this, yeah, yeah. inventor Avengers. Yeah. And, and Walt's some... just kind of peering around the corner. <laughs> yeah. And uh, through various bits of techno mumbo jumbo, they get in a rocket ship, um, pursued by the audio animatronics. Yeah. Uh, they get strapped in, much like a theme park ride, and they blast off and it's, uh, into Tomorrowland. This is very much reminds me of the uh, train in Back to the Future 3. <laughs> yes, where they sure. kind of another jerry good, rig it to another good reference. Go back to the future. Yeah, yeah. And once they get there, they find out that Hugh Laurie's deal basically is that he thinks everyone on Earth is goddamn stupid. Yeah, which you know, plenty of yeah, evidence yeah. that piles up on a daily basis that that is in fact most definitely the case. <laughs> yes. So maybe Hugh Laurie is right. Yeah. You know, maybe he's a little bit of a douche in the way he goes about it and expresses his Damn view. Damn you, Hugh Laurie! But ultimately, I think Hugh Laurie is definitely onto something when he says, you're all stupid. Um, and uh, So he uses a big machine. He's got a big machine that he can use to tachytrons. look back in time and forward, and forward in, in time. Yeah, because tachytrons move faster than light. That's right. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, tachytrons. And he can see that the world's going to end if we carry on down the path that human life is on yeah so he lets Casey have a look through this machine yeah which is um, basically shows uh, terrible wars governments being toppled by angry protesters didn't see anyone glue themselves to a train no 
Um, but who <laughs> knows? Didn't that, expect that, did you? That could have been going on in the background. Um, we see the effects of global warming. Yep. We see ice caps melting. Her house is swamped. Her house is a swamp. So, yeah, she's like, oh, gosh. Uh, the world, the day after tomorrow happens. Basically, yeah. yeah. Um, it's quite scary stuff when yeah. you look, think about it. I mean, this film came out in 2015. Yeah. And maybe some of this stuff was a little bit more distant. But now, fast forward four years, and you think of the state of the world. Yeah. You think, oh, man, maybe this is sneaking up on us way quicker. So that's uh, a little bit scary. But anyway, basically, Hugh Laurie's approach to this is, look at the state the world is going to yeah. find itself in because not, of you morons. I'm staying here with my not friends. Not only that is that he went, this is what's going to happen. Let me tell everyone about it right. by transmitting it to everyone's heads. Mm. And then what everyone did was made films and games out of it instead. Yeah, rather which than, is true. Rather than do something about yeah. it. Armageddon. The day after tomorrow. Day after tomorrow. 2012. Mm. The list goes on. The list does go on and on. Uh and so he went, oh, you guys are a bunch of idiots. So I'm staying here. Yeah, screw you guys, you can all die. <laughs> Whereas Casey is like, no, there's still hope, you yeah. know. I'm an, I'm an optimist. There's a flicker on the screen of a different... Of a different possibility, future, a, yeah. different, a different future. Where and... Florida's still nice and sunny and not flooded. <laughs> yeah, but um, so they, I guess, yeah, she sort of wins the day. It's kind of a bit of a blur how they defeat Hugh Laurie. Uh, it kind of falls into that old, every blockbuster from about 2015 up until very recently ended in exactly the same way with a big glowy thing in the sky that eventually explodes. Yeah, so there's a bit of a fight. Hugh Laurie gets his legs crushed. That's right. Uh, and then Athena also... Like, Athena takes a bullet for George. Yeah, and then George drops her into... Because she's dying anyway, because she's a robot. I thought the scene where Athena uh, was dying in George's arms was quite nicely done, actually. Yeah. Like, it was quite poignant. It was genuinely quite quite moving. Because, yeah. obviously, they uh, she's a robot, and she basically talks about how... Whoa, she's an audio animatronic. She's, sorry, she's an audio animatronic. I apologise. I apologise profusely. But she basically talks about the fact that, um, oh, you know... When you turned up, uh, the way you looked at me, I thought, "Oh, this guy's got something. He's, he's, in, he's maybe he's into me, but I'm 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 a robot. I'm an audio animatronic, <laughs> so I'm not meant to have these feelings." But eventually, she sort of found herself quite fond of him too, and then was quite sad when he got taken away. Yeah. Um. And then obviously they reunited, but George is an old man, yeah. albeit a very handsome, chiselled old man, and uh, she's still a little robot, still a little audio <laughs> animatronic girl. <laughs> And uh, it's just a little sad, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of like the reverse of Captain America meeting Peggy. Yes, yes. <laughs> in the Winter Soldier. It's kind of the reverse of that. And then George uh, very affectionately chucks her into a <laughs> into a burning building. Yeah. Kind of. No, well, no. She unsuddenly. she makes the building burn. That's true. She explodes. She blows and takes up, out the. She blows up Hugh Laurie's weird future seeing device, I guess, yeah. and. Um, Leaves Tomorrowland in the hand of of Casey and George, and George to then yeah. sort of recruit other types of young, optimistic young people to come in and try and fix yeah. the world's problems before they are too far, too far gone. Far. Yeah, and that's the film. Basically, we've kind of gone through it there. Yeah, um, I must admit, sort of just talking through it like that, it's, it's difficult to sort of pinpoint exactly what the problems are. I think it really does drag in the middle i think it opens it's a bit strong, too long as we said but it's 130 minutes and um yeah i'm not sure it really earns that runtime. you you cut half hour off that yeah it's a tight package I yeah think. i think so and i think the way it wraps up is a little contrived like yeah. oh, of course we have to have as i say big glowy thing in the sky 
kind of half-assed action sequence, big explosions, yeah. and I'm not quite sure that jives with the the tone of the film. It feels a little bit uneven because yes. it's got it's it's on the one hand it's very hopeful and optimistic, and it's asking kind of these sort of social, economic, environmental questions about the future and uh, what we can do to, to change the future, what we can do to make the world a better place. But then it's also interspersed with these like quite strange sort of sci-fi movie action sequences with like laser guns and stuff that doesn't really jive with with the rest of the no. the film. And, and it, it feels to me like, yeah, Hugh Laurie's a bad dude, but I'm not sure you ever quite get I'm not sure when you see Hugh Laurie on screen, you ever get the sense that he would send assassins after children, no. which is essentially what he spends most yeah. of the film doing is sending people out to kill Casey with it, terrible yeah, it feels alien like weaponry. He he just misunderstood what was going on more mm. than and like took went down the wrong path yeah. rather than is an inherently bad dude. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. He has. He's asking the right questions, but he's coming to the slightly wrong answers. He's feeding the wrong wolf, as they say. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. But I don't know. I, I went into it a little uh, trepidatious, yeah. especially seeing that 130 minute runtime. I mean, the thing with big old runtime. The thing with the two previous theme park movies we've talked about, Haunted Mansion and the Country Bears. Indeed, their combined runtime was only. Uh, two and a half hours. Yeah. So they were quite mercifully brief, and I was a little concerned about Tomorrowland. But it, I don't think I could, with any real conviction, say that any one part of Tomorrowland is bad. Nor could I say that the overall package is bad. I think that it's got it's got its heart is in the right place. I think. Yeah. I think visually it's great. I think the performances are good. I love the music. I love the visual style. I just think from a storytelling perspective, it's quite uneven tonally and in terms of pacing. And that definitely brings it down. But it starts strong. It ends fairly poignantly, um, albeit with the kind of crash bang wallop um, that all big blockbuster movies kind of have to have. But I don't know. I I thought it had some heart at least. Yeah. What's your take on it having watched it for a second time now? Uh, I don't really want to watch it again. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough, but I don't. It's it's nowhere near as bad as Haunted Mansion and Country Bears. No, I guess not. It's, it's just it's a lot better put together. I yeah, think. I mean, it had a big budget. It had a budget of 190 million. Wow, which is a lot. That's a lot because I mean, Country Bears was 35. Imagine how many Conjuring films. <laughs> oh, for goodness' sake. <laughs> yeah. So that was a that was that was that's a big budget. 190 yeah. million, and there was apparently if you if you include marketing as well. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter put the final cost of the movie at three hundred and thirty million, and it only grossed worldwide two hundred and nine point two million, which is not—I mean, that's a flop for, yeah. for the amount of money you put into it. That is—that's a flop, really. And I guess it falls into the same kind of category as like John Carter and other yeah. sort of strange big budget features that Disney threw. Have their you way seen behind. John Carter? I have not seen John Carter. It's just kind of random. It's like. The most generic, generic film you could ever generic. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, it opened. It, it 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 opened. I guess at not an ideal time because I was kind of stunned when I saw it was out in 2015. For for some reason, it felt way older. Like the idea that this came out the same year as Star Wars came back seems because Star Wars being back still feels like a relatively recent 
phenom- phenomenon to me. <laughs> right. Like, because it, it had been gone for so long. And, and yes, it has been four years almost, and that, I guess, is a long time. And, and, the world, like news, the news agenda is moving so quick these days that it's hard to remember when things happened. Like you're just seemingly on, like constantly forgetting what happened yesterday because so much crazy shit's happened today. And I guess maybe that's a consequence of why I find it hard to believe that Tomorrowland came out in 2015. It just feels like it would have been way longer ago. It's strange, but it came out about it came out early 2015, so it was around the same time as stuff like. I guess was there an Avengers film that year? I think Avengers two and yeah, Mad Max was twenty fifteen, yeah. and I think Inside Out might have been twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen was a pretty d- decent good, enough good year, year for the films, to be fair. But not not that I'm saying Avengers two was good. That was not. Um, but this film was like, yeah, I. His heart was in the right place, I guess. I suppose you'd have to say it's probably the weakest feature that Brad Bird's done, just because Brad Bird is normally um, normally delivers pretty high quality yes. stuff. It has um, reduced the chances of doing more live action films, I would imagine. Yeah, I guess this one must have come after Mission Impossible, right? The one he yeah. did, the Mission Impossible he did. Yeah. Four. Yeah. Because he's since then he's done what The Incredibles two. Yeah. I think that might be it. I'm not D- sure. Disney he has done definitely put him back then. on the animation game afterwards yeah that seems to be the case but because there was talk of him doing another film uh based on old disney ip i can't remember which one now uh adventureland well maybe uh frontierland <laughs> fantasyland tomorrowland 2 was song of tom- the south uh no. tomorrowland <laughs> oh boy let's not go there um that you look at his filmography here so i must admit i'm not familiar with batteries not okay we didn't direct that so directing films the Iron Giant. Great. The Incredibles. Great. Ratatouille. Great. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Tomorrowland. Yeah. And Incredibles 2 is like decent enough. It's okay. It's pretty good. It's, it's okay. I I don't think it's going to um, hold up as well as the original. I, I no. think it's uh, a little too samey and it, it hasn't got that sort of the first time um, advantage, I guess. But, you know, Tomorrowland, for Tomorrowland to be the worst film he's ever directed... I guess that's not the worst it's thing the in the world. Thing. That's that's you know it's not dreadful. It's all right. I'm 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 not sure what you're giving it out of five. What would you give it out of five? Uh, well, what, uh I think I gave it three stars. Three stars. I yeah, think I, it's, could, it's, I could go it's with a three. Kind of average. I think two is maybe a little harsh. Yeah. I think it gets enough things right and its heart's in the right place. Yeah. To get to to get to get it that three. I mean, star to rating. put it into perspective of the ones that we have watched. Oh my goodness gracious! Uh, the Country Bears and Haunted Mansion. I think I gave them both one and a half stars. Okay. Uh, so this giving giving us three is high praise. Indeed, it's twice as good as yeah. both of those. And I think Pirates, I gave, but only a four as good as the two of them two. combined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Country Bears Haunted Mansion hybrid. I'm in. I mean, to be fair, you can make a good haunted ma- haunted house scary film with those country bears. They you could, are yeah. way more scary than any of the ghosts in the haunted uh, han- haunted mansion. Yeah, a barbershop, a, a barbershop quartet of country a bears, a barbershop quartet, a barbershop quartet haunting Eddie Murphy. Yeah, in a in a log cabin. Yes, instead with, of, with a, a, of a Barry a Barrington. <laughs> Eddie Murphy must team up with Barry Barrington to defeat the barbershop bear quartet. Oh, and then he can. And then Barry Barrington in the film could go, I see dead people. Oh, of course, because he's Hayley Joel Osment. Oh. 
We're getting good at pitching these sequels to terrible theme park films. Yeah. Have and you then, got any ideas for Tomorrowland and 2? And then uh, George Clooney comes in to save the day. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. Sorted. Sorted. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for Tomorrowland. Yeah. Um, if you've seen Tomorrowland, let us know what you think. You can email us, podcast at parkrush.com. Next on the agenda for us in terms of theme park film reviews is Tower of Terror. Yeah. Um, the Twilight Zone. So we look forward to that. If you've got any other suggestions for us, then again, the email address is podcast at parkrush.com. You can also keep up to date with us on Instagram. We are Parkrush Podcast on there. You can find all our previous episodes and subscribe on your favourite podcasting app or at parkrush.com. We'll be back next week, not with a theme park film review. You might be relieved to know, but who knows? Maybe you enjoy them. That would be nice, I guess. Yeah. Uh, probably better to listen to this than watch the films in question. Yes. But... Um, Hey, Unless it's Pirates 1, then... Unless it's Pirates 1. Then do both. Then then you could well do both and, and have a decent enough time, I yeah. guess. But that is going to do it for this week. Thanks very much for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.